Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am so excited because I am talking today with Six. She is an astrologer, a human sexuality PhD student, an intimacy doula. She's obviously a Sagittarius sun, but did you know that she is a Scorpio rising and Cancer moon? Because I just found out and I feel like everything makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like even like the fact that I don't really talk about my my sun, moon and rising like in its entirety, I think a lot of people will put it out there and some people are more reserved and I'm like, actually, I would prefer that the world doesn't know I have Scorpio rising. Exactly. The most Scorpio rising thing of all to do. Right? What, why are we like this? <laughs> I, I mean, that is the question for the ages. I am so excited to connect with you. You are just, you're so prolific. You are, you create such incredible content that is really thought provoking. Um, it's, it's really like fucking accurate. I mean, you obviously are clearly so Sagittarian in your studies of astrology because you are just a well of knowledge. I want everybody to be following you if they're not already because they just, you know, it's like you're constantly just turning out these incredible, easily digestible, in fa like fabulous wisdoms and kernels of knowledge. Um, I'm such a huge fan of your work. And I, I think that, I mean, we were just we were just kibitzing before we started right here. And you being a Saturn in Pisces, I realized that you are still quite a few years away from having your Saturn return, yeah. but yet you're a human sexuality PhD student and intimacy doula. And I can attest to the fact that the wisdoms that you share on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, on all these social media platforms really transcend anyone in their twenties. I mean, these are like in, this is just like a sense of knowing that I feel you radiate in this incredible, powerful way. So I'm I'm so excited to get to know you more and for our listeners to get to know you more. We were just talking about you being a Saturn in Pisces and potentially that being a source of that deep wisdom that you have. Um, but yes, I, I don't even know where to begin. I'm just so excited. <laughs> I honestly appreciate you for saying all those things because that's literally not how I see myself. And not in a bad way. Just in like, I, I think that it's hard to be able to recognize how other people see you, whether it's good or bad, especially with the Scorpio rising. Like I was raised in isolation, you know, and it's like, okay, what does that mean? I was homeschooled my entire life. So wow. like, I had maybe more exposure than some homeschoolers in that, like I did a lot of like community organizing or like I was involved in the community a lot, Aquarius fourth, but like, for the most part, I like just spent a lot of time at home or like doing some kind of sport or activity. So it's like the way that I kind of see myself is like very Sagittarian and like a master of nothing and like very well try things out every once in a while. And I think that's kind of how I feel like I get to the place of knowing because I try to like learn as much as I can about the one thing that I feel like is important to like know, like the most relevant information. And then I try to be an expert specifically in that space. And then the things that I'm interested in, like continue down. So I end up learning a lot about like random other things, but I, I, what ends up happening is like, I, I just, I try not to say things I don't know. Can I ask you questions about being homeschooled? Yeah. 
Well, one is, do you, were you being, were, do you have siblings slash were you homeschooled with other kids at all? Or was it just you and your guardians? So I grew up with my grandparents being alive at the time. So I think they kind of acted as teachers and there was a lot of wisdom that they kind of instilled on me, like practical life things, which again, I feel like it's kind of, I feel like a lot of like Pisces placements and the finding older people to be around. I think I saw someone say that on Twitter as well. I don't remember the name of the person. So forgive me person. But, <laughs> um, like, I, I think that like made me realize that like, it, you have to learn how to respect and listen to everyone. And um, my mother was the person who essentially primarily raised me. And uh, we I've never the first time that I went to a true institution for school like officially as a student was when I was in college there have been times like maybe a handful of times where I've like sat in a class for like a whole day like one teacher was like oh this child can sit in the class and like see what it's like so even like um I, I had experiences in that like I was physically there, but it was very disassociated from, I think, the actual experience of like kids who had sleepovers or kids who like went to the mall with their friends. Like there were homeschool people that I was friends with. And like I recently actually reached out to a lot of them because I was like, this was a cool thing that like a lot of us kind of went through together. We all went to a virtual school, which again, very Aquarius fourth, like at home, I was homeschooled, Cancer Moon and ninth, Aquarius fourth, like I went to like, my home was pretty much online. So I, it's very interesting, because like, I'm not a Zoomer, I'm not a Pluto Sagittarius. But just the circumstances of my chart, I think, ha give me like a special empathy to that generation, because being homeschooled was very much every once in a while experiencing something different and then going into your own kind of virtual world where you kind of have like a lot more access to information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, and I'm sure. Well, I'm I could imagine that it could for somebody who has the chart I guess from an astrological perspective or just the inclination to um, be sort of self-directed in their studies and pursuits that there's that that would be a really inspiring platform to launch from um, where you can have a lot more independence mm -hmm. and how you study things and what you study and what you learn and the pace in which you're doing so without feeling all of that pressure from the institution and your teachers and your peers and et cetera. Yeah, actually, like I, I as I get older, I can appreciate my upbringing despite it being difficult. I recently had um, a little sister be born. She was born Gemini season. And like I was thinking about her Capricorn Pluto and I was talking to my stepmom about it. I was just like, okay. Like this child is going to be so interesting. I feel like, and this is true. This isn't just true. We're talking generational, like, you know, so this whole generation, I think that they're going to be very powerful and that they can help their parents end up healing their own trauma. And I think every generation does that. But I think that 
and I, I, it's the thing that makes me worried for them, but also very optimistic for what they can do if given the enough support and if given the enough guidance is really be able to transform the paradigm in which we're living in. Like we've already started it. And I feel like, you know, I, I hate to take this from Pluto Sagittarius. We've been protesting before you. This is an ongoing process that we're going to. But it, the generation that actually holds the placements that we're seeing right now, I feel like the world is preparing for them. And, and that's, yeah. that to me, it's like the things that we're seeing called out, like even like the focus on human rights and like realizing like with globalization, the reason why we're crying collectively with the reason why we're able to cry collectively is because now the whole world gets to listen. And I think that's why when we look into Aquarius Saturn and even into Aquarius, well, like it's going to primarily be, I think Aquarius Saturn, it's going to be these strong boundaries on the internet. We're already seeing it because people not wanting TikTok in certain countries. And I would like go as far to like beg. Okay. So people are saying malware, but what does that mean? Does anybody actually know what these words mean? Because one thing that is very interesting about TikTok is they have an educational fund where they're now getting like very like powerful academics in the field who are like saying like truths that a lot of the world doesn't know. Like they, mm -hmm. they just may not understand certain things. You have therapists like having a platform to actively and rapidly talk about trauma, like spiritual wellness people, astrologers, tarot readers, like getting people to talk about their feelings and consider their feelings in a new way. I can't see how the things that are happening now will not directly correlate with Capricorn, Pluto, just being that generation that takes everything and transforms it. Like every generation is smarter than the next generation. And I'm, I'm honestly so excited to see what they do because they're going to be adults and not like, we're going to get to see them be adults. This is going to be so fascinating to watch. Yeah, I think so too. I, I feel like, um, when it comes in actually a, a recent episode that I recorded with the amazing astrologer, Rick Levine, we were talking about sort of through a Uranus and Taurus lens, like currency and how currency, mm -hmm. especially in the last Uranus and Taurus, um, transit 84 years ago, you know, we, the gold standard, um, was abolished, whatever, you know, like we found different ways of interacting with money. Now we're talking about, are we going to continue to have the penny? Like, do we let go of that? But beyond that, it's like, we're not talking about money and power. Money is not the only way to access power. Now mm -hmm. power can also be accessed through influence. And I think that Saturn in Aquarius and then Pluto in Capricorn and sort of the transition into um, this new sort of way of seeing the world of interacting with our technological landscape and also with talking about what are boundaries, what is, what are regulations, who are, who's controlling the regulations, mm -hmm. how can people surpass those regulations? Like I, I've been really stuck mm -hmm. in thinking about that 17 year old kid who hacked, who did all of those like very high profile Twitter hacks because all of the fucking Pluto Leo people were like, oh, it has to be a country. And it's like a kid in Florida. Like, of course, it's a kid in Florida. And of course, it's not like fucking North Korea. Of course, it's a kid, you know, like, but that's exactly. what we're talking about. You know, I did not hear about that. But literally, that like, that is the point. 
that is really the point. I think the point right now that we're seeing, and especially even with the world, like just like government, what we're seeing is like the traditionalists are not wanting to die out. Like traditionalist, fundamentalist people are paranoid because it's like they don't they like most of the world, like a lot of the world's issues root from some type of insecurity. Like at, at some point in time, there is something that some animals, some humans, some whatever is lacking. And they if, they, if it's something that is actually relevant for them to have, then that becomes a problem. If there becomes a strong change to the environment, that becomes a trauma where it's like somebody has to figure out how to kind of find security again. And I think what we're yeah. seeing also happening is a linguistics war. Like, it's not just like a war on these social identities. Like, these social identities are obviously marginalized. But I think that elitism... And how we can understand these social identities and which ones are ones where it's like, I feel like to some extent, some of the world is arguing over things that don't need to be argued over. And we have to understand why. And we have to consider, and this is like something that, you know, I'd rather not divulge fully into because it's not something like, I got inspired to think about it just from this conversation. And I don't like to speak on things that I don't truly understand. But one thing that is interesting to me is like, how war happens. And in 2015, I don't know if you saw the TED talk where Bill Gates was essentially saying like the next warfare that we're going to see is literally going to be biological warfare. And it's going to be war like wars that we probably can't necessarily see. And that to when I say that, I don't say that to inspire conspiracy and I want to explicitly say I say that to not inspire conspiracy just because if you can't really prove something, then it could cause you more anxiety to go down a rabbit hole that you it, you might make a tunnel, but that doesn't mean that the tunnel actually exists. But I do think that there's something to say about why would we assume that we're just going to go back to old ways of fighting? Why would like the whole point of humanity is to evolve. The whole point of any species is eventually to evolve. If we evolve and like, I don't know, like we evolve in a direction that doesn't sustain us, which we to some extent are, then of course, eventually as a species, we're going to kill ourselves off. <laughs> like, I, I think now, especially like, and I would say TikTok is driving this push with scientists, with academics to be able to say like, which is which, what is really real and what is really accurate, which I think is also in alignment with Aries, Neptune. And you're going to feel this as a Leo sun, like it's going to be time for the strongest to survive. Like you've got to be the best at what you're doing. Like you, you have to be willing to one, put yourself out there and be able to then continuously put yourself out there in a very cardinal way, especially as an entertainer and not even just like, uh, not even just in entertainment sphere, because I would say academics or entertainers, like a lot of different fields do some type of entertainment because we're seeing doctors and people putting themselves out on TikTok and entertaining and letting people kind of understand these issues. Like it's, it's interesting. It's going to be a very interesting world because I think the conditions of this world and I would argue, I, I don't, as in, I'm a Scorpio person. So I, death, I never actually see death as that literal of a thing. But I do think what we're seeing Capricorn, Pluto, 
is the old generation of living can no longer sustain itself. And I think that realistically, when you're thinking about Capricorn, Pluto, these are the children, babies right now who are going through all this and who are getting the readily accessible information. I think these are children that could end up being very fundamentalist or very transformational. But either way, I think that they're always going to be growing and changing. They may be resistant to it because people need to lean into their placements usually. But once they do either the universe or them choose to like go into that cardinal hard work and using what all the lessons that they've had to learn, I think that as they get older, they realize that it, the world isn't really that hard. It's just been made to be this hard. Mm -hmm. I think that when we're talking about generational planets, I you know, it's interesting because I remember when I first started working with astrology and like, a long time ago now seeing like my Pluto and Scorpio and being like, oh, like, what does it mean? And now it's like, you know, we all, you know, a lot of us have it. Then with a lot of us have Pluto Sagittarius. Like we realize that these are not personal things that define us, but these are still things that, that show up in our chart mm -hmm. and are personal. And there is that micro macro that happens because the lessons of the collective are also the lessons of an individual too. And I do feel like, you know, the, my Pluto Scorpio has been and continues to be about exposing things. You know, I, I feel like when we had Jupiter moving through Scorpio a few years ago, that was the Me Too movement. And there is this sort of like, you know, ripping things out from underneath the couch cushions kind of vibe whenever we have Scorpio. And on a generational level, it's almost like some of these, like the Jupiter and the Saturn, the faster moving outer planets are sort of setting the scene for what we're going to see Pluto come into and that Pluto generation to emerge from. So it's like all of the stuff that we're doing with Jupiter and Saturn, like all, all mm -hmm. along the way, when Pluto in Capricorn babies grow up and get older, it's like they're going to be coming out of not even if they weren't born when it was happening, they're coming out of uh, conversations that were sort of uh, yes. back to back of like all of those last signs in the outer planets. And that's really interesting. You know, like the, the synchronicity of so many of these outer planets being at the end of the cycle, at the end of the Zodiac is, I have goosebumps actually just talking about it because there really is something very, very powerful and unique about it. Because as you said, like we have, done these things before. These are cycles that we've moved through um, that, you know, we know through our parents, through our grandparents, through our great grandparents, whatever. But there is something very unique about Pluto being so far into the Zodiac as all of these other planets are too, including Neptune, you know? Mm. No, I completely agree. And honestly, that 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 is exactly the thing that keeps me inspired to live the story doesn't end like i it, and i don't know if you mind if like i divulge maybe into the intimacy doula space of like please do i would love to know about it i like and, and kind of also talking candidly about mental health and wellness doesn't astrology just like literally inspire you to keep going like even in this time it's so heavy it's so exhausted like my brain feels like it's going a million miles per hour but like 
there's still a story like there's still players that haven't played it's like a ne- literally the never ending story do you remember that show <laughs> of course i do <laughs> <laughs> i can definitely say like every everything you're saying like just sounds like on point like i have no idea exactly how these things will boil down because there's always like and i'm pretty sure as an astrologer you have this moment where you're like okay all these things at its worst could mean (laughs) apocalypse (laughs) right (laughs) but at its best ascension (laughs) and then and then you're like you're like okay 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 i gotta read a book I got I got to go read some articles. Let me actually listen to the full videos of what Biden or Trump are saying, even though I don't want to fully listen to these people. (laughs) Now, let me go fact check it, because all those things sounded real good, right? Like it sounded amazing. But like, let me go and through the process and fact check it. And then I, I honestly I honestly think that's really how you are able to get to these places of like you've we talked about this pisces moon deep empathy deep empathy deep realization deep going into i don't know the next point of understanding well something that comes into my mind as we're about you know as we sort of are dipping our toes if you will into pisces is also the sea goat capricorn you know like the the body of a goat the fucking tail of a of a fish traversing multiple landscapes then we get into it and it's sort of like you would imagine that that would just sort of we would just dissolve into pisces from there but we don't because aquarius comes through and is like mm, no i'm sorry like let's create a little bit of a container for this like yes. before you go all the yes. way in like let's Let's define what it is. And then you go in and then you go Pisces. (laughs) But it's like, but Capricorn, we're getting really, you know, we're stretching ourselves very thin with Capricorn. Stretching ourselves thin in what way? Because uh, first of all, I agree with everything that you're saying. Like that, like I always see that. And I'm just like, it's crazy that people think that they're so doom and gloom, gloom when in reality, they're actually a very magical sign. Like you said, mermaid goat mermaid goat what is that it's so important what is it (laughs) who knows yeah (laughs) literally like who knows and then also i just feel like they're natural engineers and that they're always like they have that's the point it's like they have this natural tail and they end up getting to this grounded reality because they want the ability to be magical. They want the ability. I always see like Capricorn as a sign that's building a magical castle in the sky. All it has to do is build the ladder to get there first. So when you're saying stretch yourself too thin, I understand that is like sometimes they really do way too much and accomplish not necessarily they work hard but they don't always work smart sometimes yeah i think that it's you know it's like we have capricorn simultaneously climbing the highest mountain and also trying to go into the depths of the deepest water and and i think that that's kind of i think that that's kind of why aquarius needs to roll through right between you know like at the exact place it does is because we need that fixed energy to sort of like give us one more goalpost or milestone or something before we just completely 
you know, submerge. We need to define what we've done with Aquarius. You know, we need to say like, this is what, this is the point of the story. And then with Pisces, we sort of like fall into it and transcend it to, so that we could begin again. But Aquarius is, and that's kind of where we are also in time and space right now, you know, as we move into our Saturn and Aquarius and then Jupiter and Aquarius, Mm -hmm. like we kind of, this is kind of like the define the relationship moment where it's like, you got, you got to shit or get off the pot. Like you need to, we need to say what is happening here. It can't just be, we can't just go right into that Pisces without saying who have we been fighting for you know what is this really about at this moment I agree I like I completely agree and even like when we even having this like retrograde Saturn in Capricorn it literally to me screams wait hold on there were a few last things that we had to like throw into the mix whoa (laughs) wait wait but the patriarchy over here like but but don't you like the <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Before you try, like, I always see, like you said, Aquarius as the maintainer. Like, Capricorn is like, I'm going to build the stairs and look at this blueprint. Um, <laughs> Aquarius, could you go, um, maybe make it? And then Aquarius just huffle puffles and, like, builds. <laughs> Literally, that's what they, like, remind me of. Like, huffle puffle, huffle puffle. No one truly understands my great ideas. And I'm so like, real. So real. Huffle puff. <laughs> oh man, they're such a cute sign. I love them. I love them for it. it. There, there really is about to be this very interesting maintenance that comes in, and also like this obscuring and abstracting of ideas potentially, because Aquarius likes to go to the strange place, and Aquarius also reminds us that maybe some of the ideas and things that Capricorn was working with and coming to is based off of outdated systems or so real or they didn't go back enough in time and they thought that they could do something better because of ego because of this because of that and Aquarius is like we gotta like we gotta have I think that Aquarius is one thing I like really have learned from them is empathy and the willingness to understand that we are still products of our time Yes, I so hear that. And I think that Aquarius is also the reminder that empathy is a learned process too. There's an intellectual aspect to empathy. And with Pisces, we just get all the feels, you know, we're, we blend into, um, we blend stories, we sort of, we merge our truths with others' truths. Aquarius teaches us how to do that with boundaries, with intellectualism, with history, with technology. Aquarius is like, you may not have had, you may not have been raised by people who are empathetic or know how to teach this, but that doesn't mean you can't learn yourself. And Aquarius Mm -hmm. is like, no excuses, you know, like you have the, now I'm going to show you the tools because Capricorn is, Capricorn is so weird, you know, like Mm -hmm. Capricorn wants to be, do the right thing but Capricorn gets like also fooled by the system as well I wonder if any everyone listening to this is going to be like what are those ladies talking about but for for me this is just like this is 
I, I feel like this is just a, a one-to-one extension of my brain right now at this conversation. No, literally, like, you are making my brain think. Like, <laughs> like I am literally, like, honestly floored by just, I, I like, you as an astrologer, you as a thought leader, you're just kind of making me think in ways that I, like, don't usually, like, have to because of quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to I want to hear about your work with human sexuality because I one it's so ama- it's a, it's such an amazing manifestation of your Scorpio rising and your Cancer moon and your Sagittarius sun and I'm sure the rest of your chart. But as I'm going down the checklist, I'm like, yeah, Scorpio sex intimacy, of course. Cancer moon want to make a safe space for it. Yeah. Sagittarius want to like teach and help like guide knowledge and wisdom on it. So how did that come to be? And what does that pursuit look like for you? So when I was a little kid, I was like, why does everyone say that boobs are bad? But (laughs) there are boobs everywhere. (laughs) Like, well, I just, I didn't get it. I'm like, this country hates sex but is obsessed with sex. And I was like, the only way that I'm ever going to learn this is if I Google it for myself because my mom is not going to talk to me about it. So then I take it to the internet and like, I'm like, okay, so now we have sex toys. Like it was this whole process of just realizing, whoa, like this is like this never ending thing. And then um, at 14, 16, somewhere around that age, I was like, I want to be a sex doctor because there's so many powerful things that can be learned when you take the time to understand yourself as a sexual being. And once you understand yourself as a sexual being, you can have more compassion, empathy, and and an ability to even figure out how to compartmentalize and process the hard conversations and I I guess then like at 18 I experienced the sexual trauma that really just kind of like made me like all right I can't like undo this like this isn't like something that just goes away but I have to understand why it happened and I actually like did get answers from the horse's mouth and they didn't really satisfy me because I'm like, really? Like, that's how deep it was. <laughs> what? What? Okay. So this is obviously like this, this was unsatisfying. And then like through therapy, I realized it was a much more common thing because remember isolated area, homeschooled, da, 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 da. <laughs> and I, I think the more and more I realized I was like, you know, maybe there's a connection between sexual shame and like adverse sexual behavior atypical or maladaptive sexual behavior and it's as a scorpio rising in the rest of my chart honestly i can really say that it's like i just feel very comfortable going to the dark place about sex and it has no other reason than i just think it's important And I think that we're capable of going there. It's just very few people are willing to go there. And I wanted to make sure that I armed myself with like the the healthiest tools to be able to aid people and not only just aid people, because like, I don't want, um, I don't want sex to just be this thing that is negative. And I know a lot of people feel it's very controversial 
to ascribe trauma to sex. I think that there is sexual trauma and I don't think the trauma is equates to sex. But I think that the conversations that we're having about sex are not holistic enough. They are, they, we are only scratching the surface of it. And I just could not see any reason not to throw myself into a program that would take years off my life to truly be able to leave the program feeling like I'm competent to not like not only scratch the surface, but shatter the whole thing. So we can finally start mm-hmm. talking about it. So what if, if you had to just, you know, casually sum up your, your entire education process, what would you say is something that, I guess this is a better way of phrasing it. What is something that you have discovered through your journey that might surprise people about sex and their relationship with sex? If you go back into history, there are like very simple answers. And if you go outside of your own world of understanding, other people have figured stuff out. So if we can all just collectively start having conversations and realize that there doesn't need to be a stigma or shame to it, we'll realize that maybe the feelings that we're having aren't such wild feelings. And sometimes it's the suppression of being able to have those conversations that gives us some type of issue because it's almost like the guilt can be like turned into like a fixation, if that makes sense. Like I think sometimes people's insecurities or inabilities to express certain lived experiences that they have can then transform into sexual realities. Of course, I say that, with a grain of salt because I don't really feel comfortable fully scratching the surface until I am really like on the material and kind of like reading things that have been tried and tested for a while but that's my that's like based off of like I did take a human sexuality class in grad school um I did technically study and was mentored by a sex therapist who honestly completely the whole family's inspirational like I don't know if you like are familiar with um Jazz Jennings I think her name is she's a I she's this young woman she's um I think she's like probably like 18 19 also from Florida (laughs) and like she I remember watching her as a kid and I was like whoa this kid's gonna change the world like she came out like as a trans child at like such an early age was that she was on that reality tv show right my mom who's also a Sagittarius was obsessed with this show and I would get full recaps I've never seen an episode but my mom would give me full recaps of every single episode her aunt, Dr. Grayson, is um, she does just like a holistic psychologist, like really is someone who like I looked at and I was like, honestly, this is really the sum up of like my entire career. I was like, whoa, I thought I wanted to be a sex doctor, but this person made me realize this is the life I want to live. Like she really took the time to like help me be able to understand sex, honestly, like help provide me with tools to understand sex. To the point where, like, there was one something that she said, and I, I, I say this with a grain of salt because I might be misremembering it, but from what I remembered, it was usually, and not always, but often, people's sexual expressions 
or what they come into therapy with is only the surface of what they're feeling. It takes people time to get to the root. And from my time of being a sex worker, and I guess I'm technically still a sex worker because I do the work of the sex and sex education, sex worker rights, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that's something that's ever going to go away from my life. But I oftentimes find that that like resonates for people who are coming to a dungeon or coming with a specific kink or fetish. Like usually they're trying to communicate something and that is the language they use. Yeah, definitely. I think that it's such a primordial language. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I, I'm at third at almost 31. I'm right now. I feel like even though I have, you know, been in therapy pretty extensively throughout my whole adult life and I'm an astrologer. So I have like all of these different language sets that I have the ability to pull from only now at 31, do I feel like I might have enough distance from some of the sexual traumas I endured at 12, 13, 14 to be able to really see them holistically and understand them, namely because they were positions and situations and circumstances that I sought because I was in pain in other mm-hmm. aspects of my life, but I couldn't communicate and articulate and I didn't know how to work through that pain. It was like sex was kind of like the lowest common denominator of like, okay, I'm feeling a lot of horrible things internally that I don't know how to explain and express. So I'm going to find really bad situations through sex that are going to mirror my internal pain. and. Then it was years and years and years of sort of dealing with the sexual implications of that, but it was still almost compartmentalized from the up from what was the real root of everything to begin with. As you're saying, I think that sex, it's, it really, it's like, like such an onion, you know, and at the center of this onion is just, are these complex, like likely intergenerational wounds that or maybe we don't even have language to explain a lot of the time, but we have language for sex and sex shame and intimacy. You know, like we get a lot of um, propaganda around that. So it's like we can easily sort of jump into those positions, no pun intended, to like try to explain some of this other stuff that is way too complicated. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I completely agree. I'm an eighth house stellium. So this is five planets in the eighth. So it's, this is my language. (laughs) I literally like get what you're saying. Like, it's very interesting to hear it explained in that way because like, yeah, like I, I, I Sagittarius here, (laughs) big picture wise. Like, I feel like there's usually like this. I usually take things like, let's take the, let's like take this thing that happened and then take like try to figure out what the root is and then it's like this in-between process of like filling all the blanks in and like really what I'm kind of getting from this conversation that's very very interesting of course it's just very interesting how like I feel like astrology is a language for some people but sex is a language for others like people oftentimes speak in metaphors and I think that's a metaphor for just like how we as like animals like 
communicate. I oftentimes like think about communication in that we are communicating so other people can understand us or so other people can understand what we want them to understand. And with that being said, I think that like for sex, for a lot of people, I think for some people, sex, like some people say their kinks, their fetishes, like their fantasies, the things that they want, et cetera, et cetera, because they almost are asking to be understood and they're asking to go there with someone. And then there are people who it's like, they want to go there, but they don't want to think too much about it. So they yeah. give it a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, there is this really interesting. Yes, I mean, I think that there's the conscious and then the subconscious and the way that those two interact, especially through time and being able to understand things differently, like with perspective. I feel like sex, and it kind of also like mirrors the act of having sex in and of itself, like before orgasm it's like you're not thinking clearly and then after it's like you have that clarity of like oh shit you know yeah not not always hopefully but that's definitely a thing it's like when we're interacting with sex actively and we're we're communicating through sex we don't always have the ability to sort of like have the perspective and have the vantage to really see how everything relates to a bigger whole which is why people like you who are in in root of becoming like full experts on this are so important as guides and you know as as beacons of insight because it's very hard to get to see clearly when you're like in it you know what I mean yeah yeah no it's so funny that you say that because like that's literally like I think the scariest part of like pursuing education is that like I would say that a big part of education and academia is people having to check their own egos and also be able to recognize that they may not be the smartest person in the room. Actually, there may not be any smartest person in the room. And like, how do we all collectively work together to like be able to have conversations that take human evolution or human thought or human way human humanity essentially as a collective to another place whether that place is good or bad we don't know <laughs> we really I don't. That. I that. that is also like that's like the thing in like i'm sure your dms look similar in this way where people are like wait is it good or bad and it's like who knows? Like, <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> we again, have like, no we idea. Don't know. <laughs> we don't know if this is all going to blow up in our face or if we're on the right path. We do not know. <laughs> oh, man. I wish that, like, and, you know, and sometimes the Sagittarius in me has to put things out. But what I genuinely wish for you is, you know, the Midnight Gospel, right? Mm-mm. Okay, the Midnight Gospel is this Netflix TV show. Um, I think his name is Duncan Trussell has this podcast and it's like this, I think it's a Christian podcast and it talks about mindfulness and alternative practices and spirituality, et cetera, et cetera. And like then Netflix adapted that and turned it into a TV show, which is actually very, it's a prolific show, like depending on what lens you're looking at. What I wish for you is that they give you a podcast a CV show where people are just looking at the stars and then bam, your voice understanding the world around them. Because I feel like that's really, that is like the next form of like human evolution. And I think, um, 
Ursa, I wish I could remember her Twitter tag. I've done this to her before under different circumstances, but she's the astrologer who was able to get AOC's chart. Like, oh shit, yeah, yes, this is an amazing astrologer. Wish I could remember her at, but like she, um, she like pointed out Aquarius Pluto, like in her opinion, was going to be more about communal living and communal existence and Aquarius Pluto just exploded my head (laughs) like finding like this detachment and I'm just like at first I was resistant because Scorpio rising I'm resistant to things that are different than new (laughs) 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 when I paused and like thought about it with time I was like yes Yes. Yes. It's, I think that we're going, I think another Aquarius Pluto thing that's going to happen is we're going, and every time Mercury um, makes a conjunct to Aquarius Pluto, we're going to probably see it more, but how storytelling and old ways of communication, what we would consider even maybe archaic languages or old languages might end up being more relevant then people really realize and think even like for me like I personally like personal hobby only because English is my primary language is understanding and like trying to take the time to learn the Greek and Latin roots of words because when you understand the root of things you can actually get how these words were intended to be used and then even start to understand what words are actually necessary like what words only exist to oppress others yes wow 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 very 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 well said and really important and also i think that i mean that's kind of i feel like an invitation to our listeners to be to consider how to using the especially when we go into our age of Aquarius, our age of air, what words do we need to eliminate? Because right now we're in such an expansive, you know, like more, 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 more language. You know, obviously there are certain languages like German that are just like compounding words and they just make them bigger and bigger. But also what if we just started flashing things, you know, like what if we just said that word does not matter anymore. We cannot use that. That is not a, a deaf a language that is no longer relevant vocabulary. I think that that is so important because even like just my experience, like linguistics is exactly how you can oppress people and yeah. how you can maintain oppression. Like if people don't know words or can't say words correctly, that creates a power dynamic where it's like, Oh, well, I know more words than you, or I have the words and I know the words to use on this form and I can fill out this thing. So, like, tr- so real, even, so real. Yes. Like one experience that I had um, during like social work school, I had a lot of issues with, different field placements and honestly it was probably a projection and like a reflection of things that I wasn't ready to handle yet but um I briefly interned as a master's of social work student working with holocaust survivors and essentially like what I had a brief experience of doing was filling out the form so they could get their reparations from Germany and I I I really never thought about what that process must have been like 
for people to have to run and then come somewhere new and like be strong despite all the trauma and then raise children who are strong and it's like even now I feel like in a lot of ways like even with Black Lives Matter like Black Lives Matter is a human rights issue and everybody can relate to that and I feel like the one thing that unites us really is this shared trauma of being human and regardless of what our story is like regardless of how we got there once we we begin to have these conversations and understand these words like because words like sometimes like said earlier like people use words so they can communicate what you want them to hear but I think our generation and the generations that are to come they're going to be realizing like we really are all human and it's best that we as a species survive because I I understand the compassion for animals and I think we need to have compassion for animals like I really don't eat that much many animals at all like the most I've never had land animals before so I'm very much into like the environment and animals and sustainable sustainability etc etc but I think that our generation is really, 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 and I would even argue Uranus and Taurus and like Capricorn, Pluto, Saturn, what else is there? Pluto, Saturn, Jupiter now, like those, like just all that wisdom that we're getting around environmental issues, around the kids saying, no, this is not sustainable. Like we have to go deeper. We're going deeper. We're understanding why we're fighting certain wars. We're understanding how like people with money then get to play into these political and social issues. We're starting to realize that the governments, like like you were saying earlier, it's like the governments are like going around in circles, figuring, trying to figure out these things that they can't figure. This is literally what we're seeing, a change of power and in its most positive shifts, in its most positive shifts around the world that could look like humans trying to figure out how to end exploitation on all levels. Because where there's exploitation somewhere, there's exploitation somewhere else and it just yes. cycles and ripples and becomes a vicious cycle of abuse. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I you gave me more goosebumps. <laughs> I'm going to title this episode just like goosebumps. pure goosebumps. <laughs> Oh, man, that makes me want to rewatch that show. Literally, <laughs> wow! It makes me so sad that we haven't talked sooner. I think it's honestly the astrologer fear. Like, I feel like all astrologers kind of hide and just look at the stars. At least I do. Oh, I, yes. I mean, obviously, just like sort of blanketing yourself in constellations, being like, "This is look at this. Look over here. This is so pretty." <laughs> well. I am just, I can't wait for our next conversation. Like I'm going to text you as soon as we are done here, but for all of our listeners, where can we find you? Yes, you can find me on Twitter. Eventually you will find me on YouTube. I'm there. I'm just not doing a lot. Instagram <laughs> and my website, it's um, the handles for social are going to be at Black Women Cry and the website is www.blackwomancry. So everything is about Black Women Cry right now. Well, we love you so much. This was such a beautiful conversation. Thank you for being on here and sharing your thoughts with us. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was honestly an inspirational conversation. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.